you're back. Is it time to start? Yeah, it's time to start. Oh. Of course it's time to start. Well, well, let's do it. Good. All right. Do you need me to turn the light on so you can read your reading material? No. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Dan. Hi, I'm Patrick. I'm Carrie. I'm Grandpa. And welcome to the 1990, we're up to five or six? You're 1996. Supposed to, you're supposed to pay attention to these things. I didn't realize it was in charge of more than one thing. <laughs> this is If I Ran the Oscars, our podcast where we pay attention and also look at one movie from each year the awards were on TV. We look at what it won for and three other categories chosen at random so that we get a wide range of film appreciation. Uh, this year, not as big of a one movie won all the awards like the last time around with Forrest Gump. Uh, Braveheart was Best Picture and Academy Award Fact, ninth film to win Best Picture with no acting nominations. Mm. So, a good movie, but all of the acting was fine. Well, Uh, there wasn't one standout performance. Uh, However, we're not talking about that. We are talking about Sense and Sensibility. Which made me so happy. Yes, we have finally, after the Jurassic Park (laughs) and the Star Wars... (laughs) The random, num- the random numbers have come full circle, and it's finally time for Mom to know the movie better than everyone else. That's because she's read the book, also. Indeed. Uh, we also owned this one. And the book. Well, see, well... And another adaptation. Well, those, those, three, those two examples of boy movies, plus this one, are the three movies we've owned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Star Wars, Jurassic Park, and Sense and Sensibility. That's true. Uh, other Academy Award fact, because it matters here, uh, Emma Thompson is, uh, according to this, definitely the first person to win an Oscar for both acting and screenwriting, though not for the same movie. And on her page, it says she is the only person, which I thought was a little oh. surprising because I could have sworn that Goodwill Hunting gave, had something for Matt Damon, but I guess not. Hmm. I, yeah, must not have. So that's, that, that's the Academy Award fact here. Uh, Mom... Nerd about out about Jane Austen for a while, why don't you? <laughs> well, one of the things we talked about a little bit is that Daniel was talking about Star Wars fandom, and I would I would say that there is a a Jane Austen fandom that has been well, a it's been around longer than Star Wars. It was only written in eighteen eleven, and I think that um, the the fans of Jane Austen are are a, a pretty committed group. And I, I do know that this particular rendition, the Jane Austen fans really, really liked it. They felt that the screenplay was written a, a lot of, the language was very similar to the book. And one of the one of the favorite things that I do like is when um, Fanny Dashwood is, you know, looking around her new estate home that she, her husband has just inherited for her. And she walks into the library and they needed filler words at that point to give her some reason for being in this room. And she says, these are mostly foreign, which isn't in the book at all. Yeah. But it's something that it fit with her personality and it fit with the style of what they're trying to convey about her snootiness yeah. and I think Emma Thompson did a, a really really good job with keeping this uh, storyline consistent with the book now I don't you I usually start with the actors that are in it and then go into production stuff but for this mm-hmm. one I think the production because you were talking about how accurate it felt mm-hmm. is going to be important uh, mm-hmm. Lindsay Doran 
who was had become president of a production company, the one that ended mm-hmm. up producing this. Uh, she was brainstorming film ideas, and then she suggested Sense and Sensibility. Because she's probably a fan. Because she's probably a fan. Mm-hmm. She went around looking for good screenwriters. Uh, the quote here, someone who was equally strong in the areas of satire and romance. Okay. Hmm. And she eventually came across a series of comedic skits, often in period settings, written by Emma Thompson. Okay. And therefore went her. Yes, yeah, she, she must be my person. And then she basically worked on the script off and on for four years. So she definitely took the time right. to make it good. Uh, my fun note here, and I, this is going to get a little bit into who Emma Thompson has worked with. Uh, she, at one point, uh, her computer broke when she was writing it and could not access it. So she And this called, is back in the This is back in, in the, the early, early 90s, 90s when... Computers would break and then you would cry because yeah, nobody knew how to fix anything. However, it turns out that she used to perform and in fact got some of her good starts with a big nerd. Named? Dad, do you know any big nerds who are British entertainment people and who are also friends with Hugh Laurie? They'd be Stephen Fry. Mm. Oh dear. And she, Emma that. Thompson basically got one of, one of her first big things was with Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry. Okay. Who then those two went off and did... Fry and Laurie. Sure. Which was a pretty good show for its time. And so he just fixed her computer okay. while she had tea with Hugh Laurie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other production thing, because this also will go right into how accurate this is to the book, is the hiring of Ang Lee. Now, the those, director. The director. Mm-hmm. Those of you paying attention will think Ang Lee doesn't sound like a very British name. You're right. He's from Taiwan. I was going to say. Yeah, right, right. He was hired before he had a good understanding of Jane Austen. Mm. However, he was hired because his films, though not necessarily in English, depicted complex family relationships amidst a social comedy context. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this. Exactly Jane Austen. Mm. And there's a quote down here. I thought they were crazy. I was brought up in Taiwan. What do I know about 19th century England? About halfway through the script, it started to make sense why they chose me. In my films, I have been trying to mix social satire and family drama. I realized that all along, I had been trying to do Jane Austen without knowing it. Jane Austen was my destiny. I just had to overcome the cultural barrier. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. And there's stories abounds about... Different styles of filmmaking, but everyone just meshed on this movie. Did I hear the word comedy in this? Yeah. Because I didn't see anything com- comedic about this at all. Well, there, yeah. there, were, there were goofs and laughs, but it wasn't a comedy movie. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, when Shakespeare throws Dogberry. About the only thing. You know, or or Shakespeare yeah. throws nah, in, a, you know, a comedic side yeah. thing. The yeah. only thing I th- about the only was when the young lady climbed up the tree, the you know, tree tree fort there at the last. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think. Was kind of, well, it was um, Sir John Middleton and his. Well, okay, but and yeah. his here's, uh, a, here's a far cry from Falstaff. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, yes. Right, but they are they're the goofy, uh, ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's Mrs. Bennet in um, Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. She's the goofy one. Yeah. In that book. So. Okay. I, I think we're going for more satire than comedy. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. that will right, take. Right. 
Exactly. So to begin the discussion of people who are in this, we will go with the first of four people who had a reasonable part in Harry Potter. <laughs> Dame Emma Thompson. Dame Emma Thompson. She has been damned. I didn't think she was old enough, but I guess... Uh, she mm-hmm. uh, was born in 1959. So no mm-hmm. comments about age, please. No comments about age, please. No. no, no. <laughs> uh, she's good. I, she's really good. I yep. like her. Uh, uh, her, her work with Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry was in a comedy sketch series, Al Fresco, in 1983, which was pretty close to when she started. Uh, she got a BAFTA TV award for Fortunes of War. Uh, she was in Henry V, that again, Much Ado About Nothing, in 1993. Uh, her big uh, shot was, of course, Howard's End, for which she got the Academy Award. However, she did go on to do a few other things and has still been acting fairly recently. Uh, She was in Saving Mr. Banks Mm -hmm. as uh, P.L. Travers, who wrote wrote Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was in Harry Potter as the divinations teacher, where she is unrecognizable because she has crazy crazy bottle, like uh, Coke bottle glasses on. You basically can't see her face. Uh, Men in Black 3, Nanny McPhee, Love Actually. Mm-hmm. And I think she's in the, the, is she in the newest Cruella movie? Yes. yes. Uh-huh. She is also in Brave, which I believe is the mom. Mm-hmm. Be- the new Beauty and the Beast. I don't know what she is in that, but if I had to guess, she's probably Mrs. Potts. She's in fact Mrs. Potts. Hey, I'm good at this. And I, while currently at the time of filming of this movie was married to director Kenneth Branagh, she would later go on to marry uh, Greg Wise, who was also in this movie. Though he did not do nearly as much acting big time as this. Uh, Her sister in the film would be Kate Winslet, best known for not having enough room on her door. In Titanic. In Titanic. However, she, of course, has done other things. Uh, her first screen appearance was when she was 15 in 1991. She was 19 when she made this movie. Uh, she was the fourth youngest Best Actress nominee when she got nominated for Titanic. Uh, she hasn't had nearly as many crazy big films as, I mean, after Titanic, where do you go from there? Uh, but she does have a Grammy. Oh. She nomin- She narrated a short story and got a Grammy for it. Hmm. So that's interesting. The thing I remember about her is, uh, it, was, it was, I don't know, it was some late night thing. I was like, I don't even know what it was. And she's in a very compromising sexual proposition. And the guy, guy looks up at her and he says, have you no self-respect? And she says, not much. All right. <laughs> I think I've seen some movies like that. <laughs> yeah, but this was Emma Thompson. Huh? Yeah. All right. Number two on our Harry Potter list for today Alan Rickman. Boy, howdy. I love He's Alan in some Rickman. good stuff. Uh, he, of course, did not start in film. He started, well, first he started in theater. Mom, which Shakespeare play was his first in the Royal Shakespeare Company? Take a guess. Which one? Yeah. You, give me a Shakespeare play that Hamlet. you think. Hamlet. I... No, but he did eventually play Hamlet, but not for okay. the Royal Shakespeare Company. Well, then it's Twelfth Night. Uh, is Twelfth Night on this list? No, that's no, it. It's not, not that one. It would be Love's Labor's Lost, oh. with Boyette, and then later The Tempest. Mm. Uh, 
he's also referenced in a TV version of being Tybalt. Indeed, he was. That was his first TV appearance. Mm-hmm. Was the BBC television Shakespeare, and he That's was Tybalt. However, Dad, without looking at that, he is almost most best known for Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter. What well, the kids know for Harry but, Potter? But, but, what, but course, those of us that are older. But of course, Hans Gruber. That is, is Hans, one no, of his big I'm roles. I'm thinking. Uh, 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 what's it's. It's a cult sci-fi. What's that one? Galaxy Quest? Galaxy Quest. Alexander Dane. That's now, what I'm thinking. Interestingly, and I would not have guessed this, mm-hmm. Die Hard was his first movie. Oh, didn't we talk about that at Christmas time? I think we did. Actually, I would have been certain that he would have had to do a few films before doing that. He did television before He that. did television before that. Yeah. yeah. But, of course, yes, he did go on... To be Dr. Lazarus, a.k.a. Alexander Dane, yeah. in Galaxy Quest. But you find, you find um, if you do any kind of research about the making of Die Hard, there was some really interesting casting yeah. on that film, and he was one of them. I, in addition to being in just about every Harry Potter movie, I believe actually every Harry Potter mm-hmm. movie, until then so he, he died and then they started doing prequels, uh, he was in Love Actually. You know, we just got to keep putting those people in these movies. In here, he was in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Because if we're looking at British sci-fi satire, mm-hmm. we look at that and then right. we stop looking. Uh, he also voiced the Caterpillar in the live-action Alice in Wonderland, mm. and also the sequel, which was one of his last appearances. Yeah, his last appearance in film, Alice Through the Looking Glass, uh, mm. posthumous release. So he's yeah. down to be a nerd. Yeah. Next on our list, this guy, to my knowledge, has not been in Harry Potter. It's Hugh Grant. He was in Love Actually, though. He was, in fact. (laughs) Uh, He got his start in the late 80s, uh, and then uh, international success for Four Weddings and a Funeral in 1994. He is stammeringly awkward and does a very good job of it here. It's perfect. He's really good at making you want to just push the TV aside and yell at him to get on with it. Finish his sentences for him? Uh, hallmarks of his comic skills include a nonchalant touch of sarcasm and studied physical mannerisms. So yeah, that. Uh, Hugh Laurie, who we mentioned a little earlier, most famous now for the TV show House. Uh, in 2011, he was the most watched leading man on television, according to Guinness. Who is, of course, the only authority on everything? Yeah, it's really hard. Uh, well, if people have only watched and seen him on the that television show, they think he's American because mm-hmm. he speaks with an American accent. And of course, uh, he was one half of Fry and Lori, which mm-hmm. I already mentioned. I uh, he met Stephen Fry through their mutual friend Emma Thompson Dude. while they were all attending Cambridge. Uh, they had a number of projects together, including a bit of Fry and Laurie and the P.G. Woodhouse adaptation, Jeeves and Wooster. Yeah, there's just this pile of, you know, yeah, British things. 101 Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. I believe the original, 1996 version. That's not the original. Well, the the anime... Is that, is that the... That is, oh, that's the, that is the live action. That's a live action with Glenn Close. Wow! I'm sorry. I thought it was newer than that. Yeah, no, he's no. We're of, talking about the well, Disney animated. I thought the animated older. one was newer than that. No. I'm sorry, that's my mistake. I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, which guy did I put? Oh, that's the that's the cinematographer. Because we were going to Imelda Stanton. Hmm. 
Did we talk about Imelda yet? Not yet. Oh, sorry, I'm skipping ahead. No, I was going for uh, number three Harry Potter person is Robert Hardy, who was Sir John. And in Harry Potter, he was the Minister of Magic. And therefore, mostly ineffectual, got in the way, and I believe dies later <laughs> from bad guy poisoning. Uh, who was the person you were talking about? Imelda. Yes. Where is she on my list? She's the daughter of uh, Mrs. Jennings. Yep, Imelda Staunton. Uh, she is Harry Potter person number four. Uh, Spelled I-M-E-L-D? I-M-E-L-D-A. Imelda. Uh, she plays Dolores Umbridge, who is uh, sort of a bad guy teacher who wears all pink and has a bunch of ca- pictures of cats on her wall and makes people write their names on their arms as punishment. She's not very nice. But she's done quite a bit of other things. She is going to be playing Queen Elizabeth in the next uh, Netflix version of the series The Crown. She has a lot of credits. She has a lot of name. credits. Yeah. She's in um, Shakespeare in Love. She plays the nurse. She, I mean, she's just, yeah, all over the place. This is a good pile of British acting talent. Mm-hmm. They did a good job finding all the people for this. And apparently, once they started casting... Just about all of their first choices said yes. Well, so, yeah, you wanted to be on this project. You know, good mm-hmm. good work was done there. I, though we are not talking about costumes, would you like to nerd out about costumes? Oh, the podcast will be 15 minutes longer. <laughs> I think the costuming is lovely. I do did have an issue with um, hair color, mm-hmm. which I think the Andrew Davies um, BBC production of Sense and Sensibility, I think they did a better job with hair. Although this one does a great job with makeup and costuming. It's just lovely. Yeah. So the first thing we're talking about for this movie is the fact that it won for Best Adapted Screenplay. What do we think of the screenplay here? I already told you. Yeah. Well, I have other people can wait. Well, in. because you know the book I very do. well. And I do. I think better than the rest of us. So, um, I. but yeah, my recollection of the... I, I, I would judge it by how accurately it depicts the intent of the book. And I think it did very well with that, yeah. for sure. Without, And it didn't feel necessarily dated. Jane Austen, to me, doesn't feel dated. Yes, it's set well, in well, period no, because times. it's universally, yeah. for, for time in the world. It's, no, I thought it was yeah. great. Hey? But, but it would be very easy to, like, when they put in the word besotted, mm-hmm. it would be very easy to continue to do things like that without good context clues as to what on earth that word meant. Because we could pick up on that on a general meaning, and then now with the benefit of future technology, I can just Google it on my phone and know what it means. But it would be very easy to look at it and go, ah, well, this took place in ye olde times. Mm -hmm. We have to use ye olde words. And, I mean, yeah, clearing that bar isn't a high hurdle, but, you know, along with everything else, it made it accessible so yes very good job uh first bonus how do we think they did on makeup because at this if it's set in this period time the women would not have been made up um so there was a a really good you know when they're at the parties you know maybe a little bit of rouge but not a lot otherwise you know they would have looked like a harlot yeah in this time period so they did a good job of not having them look made up. And then, of course, uh, when people didn't look well, 
Oh, yes. They, they did a very good job of they it. They looked as if they were sick. Now, while I accept all of these as reasonable points, do you think it could ever have competed with Braveheart? No. <laughs> with Braveheart? Braveheart. Because no, Braveheart, well, Braveheart had to do at minimum face paint and at maximum gory wounds. Well, and it's a great history. Yeah. No. Like fine makeup work, but this was definitely not the year for just fine makeup work. Mm-hmm. Next bonus category: cinematography. How do we feel about the beautiful countryside? The beautiful countryside and the choice of location and all of that. And I have, in fact, and I have. It was gorgeous for the for our edification. Uh, pulled up the cinematographer Michael Coulter, uh, because he did a good job doing cinematography in British things. Uh, you can now guess: Did he do Love Actually or a Harry Potter movie? Yes. No, it was just Love Actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he did do Four Weddings and a Funeral before this. Hmm. I think it was worth a, worth a nomination, and it got one. It was, in fact, nominated because there was yeah. some very good English countryside going on here. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it lost to scrolling Braveheart. Oh, almost certainly Braveheart. Of yeah, course. it was Braveheart because the, there again, beautiful countryside. Yeah, yeah. But ooh, interestingly, in the best cinematography category, there's a movie Shanghai Triad nominated, which is always something nice to note when a almost certainly foreign film based just on the name of the person who did it gets nominated for something besides best foreign film mm. uh, to know Ang Lee after doing this would go on to do Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon mm. a film that got nominated for things outside of best foreign language film he would then go on to do uh, Hulk uh, The mm. Life of Pi yeah. He's, he doesn't necessarily have a hit every year but when he does he does pretty good our third bonus category is best song, and while there wasn't necessarily like a standout, like s- the winner for best song this year was this was a song from Pocahontas, oh. and no one's going to compete with Disney just going Disney full Princess. force or something. Uh, however, uh, what do we think about the music overall? Because it was nominated for best original dramatic score. Oh, I liked it. Mm. I did yeah. too. I, don't know what... was... I think the the music yeah. fit. It didn't feel like it was yeah. uh, out of place. Yeah. Was yeah. it easy to be? In? You know, uh, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't over the top, but it Still wasn't like too last, too small. The last Nightingale was it? I'll see if I can pull, find that out after we talk a little bit about Patrick Doyle, Scottish film composer, and because he is uh, from the United Kingdom and good at things. Did he do Love Actually or a Harry Potter movie? Yes. <laughs> uh, nope, this one was just Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, but also Thor, Brave, Murder on the Orient Express, Henry V, Hamlet. Murder on the Orient Express, the newer one? I believe so, the if they're going chronologically. Uh, 2007, yes indeed. Directed mm-hmm. by Kenneth Branagh. He's still going. Oh, oh, of course he is. Well, Kenneth Branagh, when the Olympics were in London, yeah, he was part of the creative team that put together opening ceremonies. Mm. Oh, yeah. All right. Now i got to scroll down a lot to find the answer to Grandpa's question because I know there was a section on music in the production area. So we'll mm-hmm. see what it says. Uh, two songs are sung by Mary Ann. Uh, dramatic Soprano Jane Eaglin. E-A-G-L-E-N. Yeah, I've heard the name, but I don't know. Uh, Interpretations of the works of Richard Wagner 
And the title roles in Bellini's Norma and Puccini's that's Toronto. Where that's where I've heard it. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad you know. There we go. <laughs> but, yep, it was listed. Uh, yeah. Well, that cost a deal. Uh, uh, and this was uh, Doyle's first Academy Award nomination. Cool. So, yeah, overall good work there. Mm-hmm. Uh, not going to beat Pocahontas. No, no. <laughs> Not good. Uh, actually, well, Pocahontas was uh, going to be in the musical or comedy score, so he was going up against Il Postino, The Postman, which got Best Original Dramatic Score. Okay. I don't know what that movie is, nope. but not even Braveheart could win Best Score this year. Yeah. Uh, I forgot my other Academy Award fact because it is very important. This was the year that Toy Story got special achievement for having put together Toy Story. And it was okay. nominated in other categories, but did not win. For example, best song for You've Got a Friend in Me. Huh. But it did not win any merit awards this year. And it would take some time for high quality computer animated, but han- animation in general to get its own category. And when it does, I will be nerding out about it that year, I'm certain. I think it's noteworthy back to the music. The original dramatic score, the winning, the winner of that... Um, Luis Enrique Bacalov. Yeah. And he was up against two films that James Horner did the music and one film that John Williams did the music. Yeah. And Patrick Doyle. And Patrick Doyle. Which I thought, okay, that's an interesting cluster of of film musicians. Even if you take Sense and Sensibility out of the mix, it was John Williams for Nixon, James Horner for Braveheart, and then James Horner again for Apollo 13. Yeah. So, yeah. Good competition. I, I kind of want to listen to that soundtrack now, because yeah, that has right. to be good. Right. Anybody else have closing comments about letting mom have a chance to be the one who knows everything? <laughs> the hats are gorgeous. The hats are very nice. I appreciate a good hat. Well, you have. there had to be good hats. I mean, that's just that. Even the men's hats are... Mm-hmm. Oh, so beautiful. So beautiful. Hat envy. That's what I was having... So is that it? We want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking. Bye. Bye-bye. Good night.